Welcome to the official broadcast of Life Fellowship Ministries in Kima, Texas. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. Be sure to visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. Let's recite our mission statement, if you'll join me in this. It is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And intimacy requires authenticity. Intimacy requires vulnerability, being vulnerable and laying your, your heart out there. But intimacy also requires trust. And for some of us, it, it requires taking a risk because we've all been hurt before. But God wants this intimate relationship with us. He wants us to be vulnerable. He wants us to be authentic. He wants us to trust Him. And that happens over time. Trust happens over time, right? You don't just automatically trust somebody necessarily. And God is building that trust, and it, it requires faith. The Word says it's what? Impossible to please God without faith. And so it requires faith. It, it requires obedience, that we trust Him and, and we stay within the boundaries that He's set, and we walk in the fullness and the provision that He's called us to walk in. Let's recite our vision statement as well. It is to become disciples who will impact the world with the love of Jesus Christ. So as, this, as we grow in this intimate relationship with him, it changes us. It, it impacts our husbands and wives. It uh, impacts our family. It reaches into our family and, and our friends and spreads out to the neighborhood and to the community. And the, the vital part of this is this relationship with Christ, but also relationships with one another. Because God didn't call us to live in silos, but to be connected with Him and then reach out to others and be an extension of His love to, exp to expand the love of Christ to those who really need it, those who don't have a relationship with Him. And so next Sunday, our fifth Sunday, we're going to have a great opportunity to build deeper relationships. I know a lot of times on Sunday mornings we come here and we're just kind of going in and out and, and you say hello. But do you, get, do you really have the opportunity to spend time with one another and get to know one another? And so that's what our fifth Sundays are, are, are generally focused on, building relationships with one another. So we'll come here for a short, a short service, and then we'll go have some wonderful food and fellowship. But the focus of this is that we build those relationships. And if you'd like to get baptized, and you can get baptized there as well and swim in the pool. And, and we're going to have a great time. So uh, the Spice of Life cooking team, as PC already mentioned, they're going to be cooking some great food, so come ready to eat, all right? Uh, this morning, we're continuing in this series, Worship, but I want to talk about water baptism because I've, I've taught on it before, but with baptisms being next week, uh, I wanted to talk about that, and um, also, we're, we're going to be covering this in the foundations classes in a couple of months, and I, talk, uh, I taught on baptisms uh, back on March 24th, I think. I just did a brief overview. Many of you know that we're going through these foundation classes every Wednesday night from 7 to 8, and it's based on Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, where the writer says, must we continue to go over these basic fundamental teachings, uh, repentance from sin and dead works, faith in God, laying on of hands, baptisms, eternal judgment, and... Uh, I always forget what the other one is. Uh, 
Anyway, it's good stuff. So uh, come, come on Wednesday night, and we're, we're talking about faith right now. Um, resurrection of the dead was the other one. Uh, resurrection of the dead. Okay. So we're, we're teaching on these things, and, and it's good stuff. And, and the writer of Hebrews calls them basic and fundamental. But what we're finding is that as we get into this thing, it's, it's more advanced than what we realized. That we understand the Word of God. That we understand repentance. That we understand faith in God. What does that really look like? How do, we, how do we live this thing out? How do we demonstrate that? How, what does the word say about faith? What is the over-encompassing, uh, uh, what does faith really mean in, in all of its extensions? Not just what we may think, but there's a lot to this thing. And God has called us to become mature believers, so we need to understand these things. And I, I need to remember all six of them every time I, I do this. But there are five primary baptisms that the Bible mentions. And again, I touched on these on March 24th, so you can go back and listen. Listen, there's no excuse you can't catch the sermons if you're not here. We have a YouTube channel. We have Facebook Live. We have them on the website. We have podcasts. So if you miss any of the sermons, go back and listen. Stay connected and be here Wednesday nights at 7. We have child care, so there's no reason you can't come. It's an hour a week, and it will, it will, it will help you to grow and mature. Okay, so... There are five primary baptisms, and I'm going to talk about water baptism today, but I want to talk about these other ones, and, and specifically two of them that I want to talk about this morning. So the baptisms are John's baptism of repentance, baptism into the body of Christ, which occurs when we accept Christ into our life, um, baptism in water, baptism in the Holy Spirit, and baptism of fire. So I'm going to talk about uh, uh, baptism into the body of Christ and water baptism. Most people, when they think of baptism, they only think of one, maybe two baptisms. They think about water baptism. But there's also baptism in the Holy Spirit and uh, these other three that I've talked about as well. So I'm not going to take a lot of time to go through all of these. I'm just going to focus mainly on water baptism and talk a little bit about uh, uh, baptism into the body of Christ. So... Uh, with water baptisms coming up this Sunday, it's really timely. Um, when we accept Christ, we are baptized into the body of Christ. Uh, water baptism, uh, baptism, let me say this first. Baptism into the body of Christ occurs when we accept Jesus into our lives. That's my first point. Um, so let's, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 and 13. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. So Paul is comparing our physical body to the body of Christ so that we can get this thing. You, may, you're not the, you don't encompass or you don't uh, make up the whole body of Christ, but you make up a part of the body that no one else can fill. And so we are all part of the body of Christ, and every one of us is important. Every one of us is needed because God has given you specific giftings to, that he can work through for the body of Christ. So we're not all an index finger or a thumb or a nose or an ear, but we all have a part to play. And God wants to, to pour out his anointing on us so that we can operate in the giftings that he's called us to operate in so that we can live the abundant life that Christ came to give us, and also we can impact the world around us. 
Okay, so let's look at this again. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free, but we all have been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. So it's the Holy Spirit that baptizes us into the body of Christ. That's what we just read here. Um, the, this baptism in, into the body of Christ happens when we repent of our sins and accept Christ. And so whenever we have at the end of the service, we'll say, hey, if God is speaking to you, if you want to recommit your life or if you want to give your life to the Lord, now's the time to do that. And so what happens is then we are baptized into the body of Christ um, when we repent from our sins and come to faith in God. The baptizer is the Holy Spirit. The baptizer is the Holy Spirit that baptizes us into the body of Christ. Verse 13, but we have all been, the part of it, the last sentence here, but we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. So some confuse this scripture, uh, baptism into the body, with baptism in the Holy Spirit, but that's not the same, that's not the same baptism. And, and we'll talk more about that when we get into this class. I don't want to spend a lot of time here, but this is the baptism into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. And the baptism in the Holy Spirit is different. We're baptized in the Holy Spirit by Jesus. Uh, John the Baptist is teaching, and this is what he says, and he's talking about Jesus, and this is what he says in Luke 3, verses 15 and 16. Everyone was expecting the Messiah to come soon, and they were eager to know whether John might be the Messiah. So all this talk is going on. They're wondering if John's the Messiah. They're, they're wondering if, if when the Messiah is coming. And John answered their question by saying, I baptize you with water, but someone is coming soon who, who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandals. And then he, he continues on here. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So Jesus baptizes us with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Um, and we'll drill, uh, like I said, we'll drill down more into this in the foundation classes in a couple of months when we get to baptisms. Or you can go back if you want a little more insight, go back and watch or listen to the message on March 24th of this year. So um, let's look at, at 1 Corinthians 12, 13 again. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Our obedience is an act or an expression of our worship to the Lord. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commands. So our obedience is not uh, this dogmatic religious thing that we do, but it's an expression of our heart, our commitment to him, and it's, it's further demonstration that God has done something in our hearts and lives because we're following his commands. We're doing what he's asked us to do. So my first point this morning was baptism into the body of Christ occurs when we accept Jesus into our life. My second point is water baptism is performed by men to signify our commitment to Jesus. So baptism into the body of Christ is done by the Holy Spirit. Baptism, water baptism is done by man. And we know that baptism in the Holy Spirit is done by Jesus. So just to 
be clear on that. So we ask forgiveness for our sins, and we accept Christ into our life. And then as a demonstration of our commitment to this relationship with the Lord, then we get baptized in water. And Jesus began his public ministry by getting baptized. John the Baptist baptized him. You remember that. And Jesus was and is sinless, but he was baptized as a demonstration for us that we are to follow his lead. He didn't get baptized because, because he had sin in his life, but as a demonstration for us. And uh, we, we see time after time in the Bible where people came to the Lord and then they were baptized. They repented and received Jesus into their hearts and then they were baptized. And Jesus tells us to go get baptized. So many of you know the scripture in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. These were some of the final words that Jesus spoke before he ascended to heaven. He said, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. So we know that he could have told us to do anything, right? Because he has all authority. But what does he tell us here? He tells us something really important. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So we are to get saved, we are to get baptized, and then we're to go and uh, train up and equip others. So baptism doesn't save us. Um, it's God's grace that saves us. It's the blood of Christ that's shed that saves us. And we know in Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10, that we are saved by grace through faith when we believe, not of our works that any man should boast. So it's not our workings. It's not that we strive, that we're good enough, but it's God's grace that saves us. And the blood of Christ covers and washes away all of our sin. So Jesus tells us to baptize his new believers. He tells us to baptize them. Um, he goes on to say, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this, I'm with you always till the end of the age. So he says to obey all the commands that he's given us. Well, he's told us to, to go and make disciples. He's told us to baptize them. We are to be baptized. And so God has told us what to do, and we just need to go do what he's asked us to do. Uh, baptism means being fully immersed or submerged to emerge. So we don't sprinkle here. We don't uh, sprinkle babies because I don't see that in the Bible. The Bible says that when we come to a place of repentance from our sins, then we are to be baptized. Now we do dedicate babies here, but we're not sprinkling them or we're not baptizing them because they, they haven't made a choice to follow Jesus. So when we come to that place in our life where we say, okay, I'm giving my life to the Lord, I'm committing my life to Jesus, then I'll get baptized. But what we do is we take babies and we dedicate them and dedicate their parents and say, Lord God, we're lifting up this child to you. We're dedicating this child to you. We're giving you this child back. And we want to uh, raise this child in a manner that's reflective of what you want this child to grow into. And we're raising this child in a godly home and things like that. So um, we, we get baptized when we come to this place where we say, look, I need a Savior. Man, I need to get saved. And so baptism is the next step after that. And, and we submerge, we completely dip or cover under the water when we baptize. Um, so water baptism um, is, represents new life in Christ. It, re it, it represents our new life in Christ. And it can be viewed as a physical identification of our new life in Christ. Again, being baptized doesn't save us. It's 
giving our heart to the Lord that saves us. Our sins are all washed away, and we've been cleansed when we repent of our sins and give our life to the Lord. Our old life is gone. A new life has begun. And so baptism can be indicative of, of us making that change. So it's not the water that removes the stains from our lives. It's the blood of Jesus that covers our sins. So uh, another approach might be in Colossians 2.12. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. So it's like you're brought under the water and then you're raised back to life when you come up out of the water. Um, for you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. And we also see that as an example of baptism, when the children of Israel came, uh, were delivered uh, from Egypt and they came across the Red Sea, that that was a type of baptism too. I mean, that could be representative of a baptism because they, what, they passed through the water into the promised land. And uh, they were once slaves, and now they are free. We were once slaves to sin, and now we're free. So when, when the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea, they left their old life as Egyptian, sh- as, as, as Egyptian slaves and became free. And so when we understand that God has come to set us free, and these are just things that we do, but they're representative of what God has done in our hearts and lives. Um, When we are baptized, we're demonstrating that we have been washed clean from the old life, from the old lifestyles, from the old ways, and we are made new. So it's a further demonstration of this transformation that leads to a changed life. When we give our hearts and lives to Christ, there should be some changes. And I've shared many times with you guys that my transformation has not been just like that, like a light switch on or off. It's still happening today. (laughs) So God is still transforming my life. God is still doing things in my hearts and lives. But listen, if we say that we're a Christian and, and, and we've given our life to Christ and we've been forgiven of all of our sins and there's new life... I think there should be some change. There should be some evidence that, that God is in our life. We shouldn't be acting and doing some of the same things that we did before we came to Christ. Now, please hear me. I'm not talking about performing, but I'm talking about a transformation that God does in our heart that has an external change in the way that we act. I mean, I used to do a lot of stupid stuff. I used to smoke pot every day. And God began to take that desire out of my heart and life. God began to bring some health and healing and wholeness to my life from some of the woundedness and stuff that that I faced and that I went through and through some of the trauma in my life. God began to bring some health and healing to me, and he's still doing that. But I can look back and see where I once was, and but for the grace of God, I'm not there anymore. And I see where I am now, and I see where he's taking me, and I haven't arrived but I'm, I'm moving forward because I'm yielding to him and he's doing something in my hearts and life. He's doing something in my heart and in my life. He is transforming me. He's bringing health and wholeness to me. He's leading me. He's helping me to, uh, he's exposing things in my life that maybe I didn't really consider 10 years ago. And he's like, you know, really, you're going to act like that? Really, you're going to do that? Really, you're going to say that? 
And so it's not condemnation, but it is conviction that the Holy Spirit will begin to speak to us. Why? Because he wants us to live in the fullness of life, not, not perform and, and be perfect, but that we would be transformed and that we would walk in the fullness. And like I talked about, I think it was last week, um, sin is something that drives a wedge between us and the Lord. We're saved by grace through faith when we believe, not of our works. But God desires us to, to be holy, holy, holy. We sing about it. And again, none of us are perfect. The Word says all have sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. And the Word says if you say that you never sin, you're a liar. Because we all, we live in a sinful world. But what I'm saying is that we need to be moving forward. We need to be growing. And the old lifestyles and those old things that we used to do, we should not be doing some of those things anymore. Instead, we should be embracing the Holy Spirit and walking in the power and the fire and the dominion that He's called us to walk in. So this transformation leads to a changed life. Romans 8, 1 says, so now, there, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ. So now, now that we've accepted Christ, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ. When we gave our life to Christ, our sins are completely forgiven, removed, and there's no condemnation. Now there may be conviction because we get convicted sometimes. And, and that's, that's a loving father saying, hey, don't do that. Don't go there. Just like you would tell your child, don't do that. That's not going to be good for you. And if, if you love your children, you're going to give them some correction. You're going to help them because you love them. And our Heavenly Father does the same for us. Romans 8, 2. And because you, have, uh, and because you belong to him, the power of of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. And we know in James, we see there that uh, it says, let no one say they're tempted by God because God is never tempted and never tempts anyone else. But we're drawn into temptation from our own lustful desires. And when temptation comes to fruition, it leads to sin and sin leads to death. So it's a progressive thing. So Paul says here, and because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you. From the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving us his son as a sacrifice for our sins. And so the... the the death on the cross, the blood that was shed, was complete in covering all of our sin. And we no longer have to live a sinful lifestyle. He did this so that the just requirements of the law would be fully satisfied for us, who no longer follow our own sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. That we no longer follow our sinful nature, but we follow the Spirit. We are led by the Spirit and we choose to follow the Spirit. The Word says, walk, walk in the Spirit and you will not, what? Fulfill the lust of the flesh. So we need to be walking in the Spirit of God. We have the Spirit of God living within us. New life means a changed life. New life should mean a changed life, a Spirit-led life. 
where we're no longer following our fleshly carnal desires, but we're following the Spirit of God. And we're praying and we're saying, God, how do, what do you want me to do in these situations? God, would you bring some exposure to me on the things that are, are not pleasing to you? Would you bring some exposure to me on the woundedness in my life? Would you help me to pray for my, my wife that has some woundedness or has some struggles or has some emotional issues? Would you help me to not get emotional when she gets emotional? So we can go to God and we can say, Spirit, lead me. Guide me and help me to be the man of God that you've called me to be. 2 Corinthians five fifteen through 18. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Verse 16. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time... We thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. So we need to stop evaluating things necessarily from what we see with our physical eyes and say, God, give me some insight spiritually what's going on. And I think that they, when Jesus was growing up and even when he became a young man, they were judging him. They were evaluating him from a human standpoint. But then they saw the power that he was the Messiah, some of them saw, and they saw the power of God, and those that had a relationship knew him, not just as Jesus the carpenter's son, but now they knew him as the Messiah. So it comes back around to this relationship. Do we know about Jesus, or do we actually have a relationship with him? Do we know him? Because that's the key, and, and that's really the, the driving point of this intimacy with him is not just knowing about him, but knowing him and having this relationship. Uh, verse 17, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, and a new life has begun. The old life is gone. Some of us need to hear that today. The old life is gone. Say bye, bye, bye. It's gone, gone, gone. And a new life has begun, begun, begun. I don't, I don't really feel a rap coming on, but I feel something coming on here. So, <laughs> so, you know, this new life has begun. Are you living a new life? Is there a change in your life? Because we shouldn't be sucked back into the vortex of that old life and all of, all of that other stuff. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. So it's a gift that God has given to us that we would come into this relationship with him. And that we would have a deeper, more authentic, real relationship with him. But also that we've been given this task of reconciling people to him. Go and make disciples of all the nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey all that I've taught you. And know that I'll be with you to the ends of the age. So God has not, has, has not come just to save us individually. He's come to do that. But that we would do something with it. That we would reach out and proclaim, God is here. God is real. Look what he's doing in my life. I'm not perfect, but look what he's done in my life. I mean, that's why these relationships are so vital that we can uh, impart to one another, that we can impact one another's, another's lives, that we work with these people and we build relationships and they see uh, stability in our life from day to day, week to week, year to year, that they see a constant 
Yeah, we have some ebbs and flows. Yeah, we have bad weeks and bad days. But they see that there's something different about us, and they should see some growth happening in our lives, that we are being transformed and that we're becoming more mature, that not more religious, not meaner, <laughs> not, not beating them up with Scripture, but that we love them. See, that's the heart of God, that, that we would love Him and that we would truly love one another. But that takes a supernatural transformation because I don't think we can do it on our own. And I know that when, when we pray this prayer and say, God, help me to love others like you love me and you love them, God does something in our hearts. I can testify to that because I know what God has done. He's, he's given me so much love for people. Sometimes I, when I'm talking to them, I, wanna, I, I just want to cry. Because I'm so connected, I so feel them, I so sense their heart, their woundedness, their hurt. So God can begin to do that, to give us a passion for other people. To give us a passion for Him. And then if we have a passion for Him, we're going to have some passion for the things that He's passionate about. Which are people. And if we don't love one another, if we don't love our brother whom we can see, how can we say we love Him? We're fooling ourselves. This thing is about love. This thing is about God getting a hold of our hearts and doing something different. It's about a changed life. And all this is a gift from God. It's a gift from God that He would bestow this love upon us, that He would bestow passion upon us, that He would bestow the Holy Spirit on us. I've shared this with you guys before. I don't like crying in public, and I'd cry and slobber and snot and everything. And, and I said, God, I don't want to cry anymore. And he said, okay, I can fix that. I can take away that passion. I said, no, please don't, God. I'll cry and slobber and snot and everything if you want. But don't take away that passion. That's what God wants. Listen, we need to be passionate about something. And what we need to be passionate about is our relationship with Him. He's not looking at our performance. Yes, He wants us to change, but He wants our hearts. And when we have His heart, we will reflect His love. There are two items that, that we have access to in receiving Christ, communion and baptism. These items are reserved for those who've accepted Christ. This is not about performing. It's all about the Lord having access into our life, giving the Lord access into our life, because He's there. He's ready. He's willing. But we can have a fortress built, built around our heart, we can have a fortress built around our lives. And maybe we need to open the gate. Say, God, come in. Touch my heart. Fill me with your love. Help me to, to understand your great love for me. You know, Jesus came that we would have this abundant life. And... Uh, there's no reason we can't live the abundant life that Christ came, came to give us. But it really, it really 
intensifies. It begins and intensifies with this intimacy with Him. And as we've been going through this series on worship, worship is one of the keys to this intimacy with Him where we just come into that place. I hope that you will join us on Wednesday at 7. And I'd like for you to stand. I want us to bless one another. If you'll just join me in reciting the scripture that the Lord told Moses to give to Aaron to bless the people. You ready? Let's recite this together. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. That's a blessing from the Lord. And he wants us to walk in those blessings. Amen. uh, The prayer team will be up here if you have prayer needs. I want to remind you that Steve and Debbie will be getting married uh, in just a a few minutes. Uh, We'll take some time to meet your prayer needs and and let you guys visit for a couple of minutes. And I'd say in about 15 minutes, we'll probably start the, uh, oh, at 12 noon. Okay, so we have 45 minutes. Wow. Wow. Uh, Okay, we'll sit back down. (laughs) So at 12 noon, uh, they'll have the wedding, and we would love for you guys to be a part of that, and uh, they would love for you to celebrate with them. And then next Sunday, remember, we'll have a short service here at 10. Bring your swimsuit or wear it under your clothes or whatever. Uh, and, and, and please plan to stay and join with us as we, we have a short service here. And then we go to Marilyn's house. She is a wonderful place. It's a park right out on the bay. And, and the Spice of Life team will be cooking all this food. And we can, we'll just be having a great time. And in the meantime, uh, take some time to visit with one another. And it's so good to have all of you here today. And I want to challenge you as always. You have the opportunity to impact the world around you. So go out and live it. You're dismissed. Thank you for being here this morning. Amen. Thank you for tuning into our broadcast. For more information, be sure to find us at our website at www.lifefellowship.me or call us at 832-864-2800. Have a great week and remember to...